We want to thank all of you who've helped bring uh, donated items to help support the Franklin Food Pantry. Uh, we're donating all those items that you brought in today and you're using to vote to show your support for your favorite Super Bowl team. Uh, we're going to leverage that to meet some local needs. In fact, I've wondered how many more items we would have collected if we'd have placed a New Orleans Saints flag out there. I'm just wondering, okay. Um, but we want to have some fun while we also want to leverage that to do some good. And we want to thank all of you who've been generous. Generosity, what is it? In our examination of this theme of generosity in this message series entitled The Generosity Game, I wanted to make sure that as we continue this series that that we all have a good working definition of what we're talking about. So I looked up the definition of generosity this past week, and I, I was struck with the synonyms that are listed to describe this term. Here are some of the synonyms I found. Big-heartedness, liberality, unselfishness, open-handedness, and open-heartedness. Do those terms describe you? I hope they do. I believe these terms describe an account I, I recently read about a guy named Blaise Pascal. Maybe you've heard of him. Pascal was a 17th century French mathematician who was a mathematical genius. At a young age, he did some amazing things. He by the age of 12, without any formal training, he, he independently discovered and demonstrated 32 propositions of Euclidean geometry. Now, as a former geometry teacher, I find that impressive. As an adult, he completed important works in the field of mathematics and, and physics. Uh, he, he really kind of developed probability, and his work led to uh, what really today we have with computers. He discovered what's called the Pascal Triangle. Maybe some of you have heard of that. He also created a concept that all of us have experienced, even if, if some of you shudder when I bring up mathematics. On, on one occasion, he noticed a crowd of people all headed in the same direction off to work. And so he came up with the idea of a bus. And so in 1662, he helped form the very first bus company. Pascal was also a believer in Jesus Christ. He wrote books on the subject of God's grace and the life of Christ. His love for God drove him to develop a love for the poor. On one occasion, he wrote, I love poverty, he said, because Christ loved it. I like wealth because it gives a means to assist the needy. Pascal deprived himself at times so that he could give more. He sold his coach and horse, his fine furniture, his silverware, and even his library in order to give to the poor. When he received an advance of a thousand francs for his bus that he had created, which today would be the equivalent of about $55,000. 
He sent the money to the poor in a French city who'd suffered from a bitter winter. He then signed over his interest in the bus company and donated that money to French hospitals. When Pascal died at the age of 39 on August 19, 1662, his funeral was attended by family, friends, scientific colleagues, worldly companions, writers, and yet in the back of the church, it was filled with the poor. Each and every person there was someone that Pascal had helped during his lifetime. You see, we know his name, and he's remembered for a lot of things, but in his time, he was remembered for his generosity. Now, as I think about that example, as you think about that example, I want to ask the question this morning, how will you be remembered? How will I be remembered? Is it by our interest, our favorite team, our hobbies, our college degrees, our career accomplishments, our possessions, or will it be by our generosity? Today we want to look practically on how we can all grow in our generosity by asking two questions. The first question that you'll find in the message notes is what areas of our lives do we need to be generous? Last week, as we kicked off this series, we looked at the importance of of being generous with the gifts and talents that God has given us. So as way of review of our first response to this question, it's to be generous with our talents. This is a scripture we looked at last week. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Last week, we encouraged each person at Southwest to discover their gifts and talents and to consider how to be generous with those gifts by sharing them with others in the life of the church. And then in turn, we can leverage those together to do good, to make a difference in the world around us. We invited everyone that was here last week to take a spiritual gift survey, and you can find that survey by going to our website, and when, it, when that front banner rotates, click on the item, the, the banner that looks like that, and you'll be prompted to fill out a code and fill out a spiritual gift inventory. I'm just curious, how many of you did that this past week? Raise your hand. Okay, we see a number of people, but we want to encourage more and more of you to to check that out. Go to our website. In fact, I want to encourage you, uh, before the big game this evening, take some time and, and check, out, check that out. Answer some questions and try to determine what gifts and talents you've been given. By the way, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be rolling out some, some very practical ways that, that you can match those gifts and talents to maybe various ministries here within the life of the church or discover ways to serve. We'll be passing those out to and sharing that with our small group leaders so that we can be assisting each other 
so that we can work together as that passage we just read from Romans 12 to really make a difference in our world. Another area of our lives that we're called to be generous is the area of our personal treasure. So if you're taking notes, the second blank is treasure. Now, we're going to talk more about this next week, about being generous with our personal finances. But I want to give you a brief preview of what we'll be talking about next week on February 10th, a day that we've actually set aside as we've marked as Tithe Sunday here at Southwest. Now, this is something we've done in the past. I don't think we've done it for a couple of years, but, but where we just have a special Sunday and we, we invite everyone to consider giving a tithe of their weekly income. The Bible talks about this spiritual practice of tithing. To tithe literally means, if you look up the definition, to give 10% back to God. This was something that was commanded in the Old Testament to the Jewish people. And in the New Testament, Jesus commended the practice for his followers. As a church, we encourage this spiritual practice for a means for us to trust God and also to financially support God's work here at Southwest. So from time to time, as I mentioned, we've designated a particular day, it seems appropriate, on on the 10th day of February to, to talk about ways that we could all consider giving a tenth back to God. And it's a way for us to, as a church, really realize our full potential to give and to make a difference. Now, if you're already tithing and you've made that a part of your spiritual discipline to give 10% weekly back to God, then, then all we ask is that you simply continue to do that next weekend. If you've not yet made the commitment to give a tithe regularly uh, back to God, we ask you to prayerfully consider giving a tithe next week. Now, now maybe you're not ready to commit to this on a regular basis, but we're just asking for one week, simply try out the practice and to help us as a church see our full potential as a church body. Now, as you consider this challenge, I want to encourage you to consider a scripture, a scripture that was written about 400 years before Jesus walked this earth. It was written by an Old Testament prophet named Malachi. He wrote the following to a group of people who were struggling with this call, this challenge to tithe. This is what he wrote in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. 
This scripture, which I've always found very inspiring, was a big reason that my wife and I made a commitment to tithe our income when we first got married 35 years ago. One of the reasons that we're personally sold on tithing is because as we have tested this practice out over the past 35 years, we are personally sold that that this promise from God is really true. As we look over the course of our lives, even though at times it's, it was a challenge to give 10%, it would cut that check. You know, there was a time where we had three kids in diapers at the same time. I mean, that was a, a, a challenging time financially. Now, we thought, boy, if we can just get them out of diapers, everything's going to be good. <laughs> Little did we know those three kids would all be in college someday. Okay, that was a challenging time as well. But you know what we found is that when we took this test to heart from God and said, we're going to give that first fruit back to God, we've been amazed through the years of how God has truly opened the floodgates of heaven and poured out so many blessings into our lives. Now, yes, we've been blessed financially, for which we're grateful for, but but in so many times, it wasn't in the financial means that we saw those blessings poured back into our lives. It was also a sense of joy, of, of giving, a sense of peace that, that we were trusting God with our future, a sense of purpose and camaraderie with other believers and in a church family saying that we want to pull our resources and make a difference in this world. And so we've also had just a great and amazing mission adventure through the years, starting a church, going on mission trips. God has truly blessed us far beyond what we deserve. We want to encourage, and I want to encourage you personally to truly consider, if, if you've not, maybe you're not ready to take on this practice on a regular basis Try it out next week. Give it a test and see if God's promises won't be true in your life as well. There's actually churches who make a 90-day guarantee that if you tithe and you don't see a specific way that God has blessed your life in an amazing way in those 90 days, that that those churches will return your tithe. At Southwest, we've always said, if you take this challenge and you don't see God blessing you, then contact one of those churches, okay? (laughs) Now, we've never made a specific time-bound guarantee, but we do believe that God will bless you in an amazing way if you simply take Him at His Word. So will you test the waters and participate in next Sunday's Tithe Sunday? Think about it, pray about it, and let's see what God does. Finally, we're called not only to be generous with our gifts and talents and our financial treasures, but what we really want to focus on the next 15 minutes or so is that we're called to be generous with our time. Now, for some of us, our most valuable commodity is our time. 
As I searched the the Bible for specific texts that dealt with this subject of time, the texts that surfaced with this English word time used the most often throughout the text is this fascinating passage recorded in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is this book in the Bible that that we have traditionally believed was written by the, the wise king Solomon of Israel. And Solomon was this guy that was searching for the meaning of life. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. It's a little bit different than any other book that is in the Bible. In fact, I, I'd like to develop an entire message series out of this book. And so hopefully we'll do that, if not this year, in and, and one of the coming years. In chapter 3 of the book, in a very poetic section, and some of you that are old, old enough like me to remember, there was a group called the Birds that took this section of Scripture and put it to music. Maybe some of you know it's called Turn, Turn, Turn. But here's how a portion of that reads in Ecclesiastes 3, beginning in verse 1. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. If you keep reading, it just he keeps putting the opposites against each other. And then in verse 10, he says, I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And then in verse 14, he says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Now, with this as a backdrop, I want to invite you to just watch for about 90 seconds a video of a very familiar individual appropriate on this day who shared an extremely honest comment a revealing comment about himself a number of years ago in a 60-minute interview. Watch this. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. It's less money than Peyton Manning and even some journeyman quarterbacks are making, but Brady wanted to leave some money on the table for the Patriots to hire free agents to help them win another Super Bowl. I used to get $600 dorm checks and and go eat Subway and use pizza cards to get my way through college and eat baked potatoes and make pancakes every night. So I don't think that's ever been a big thing for me. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. He's turned down multi-million dollar endorsement deals because he didn't think they were right for him. And many of the ones he's taken, he's shared with his teammates. Uh, You guys have to go everywhere with me. (laughs) (laughs) but with all that money fame and career accomplishments we were surprised to hear this from him why do i have three super bowl rings and and still think there's something greater out there for me i mean maybe a lot of people would say hey man this is what it is i reached my goal my dream my life is me i thank god it's got to be more than this what's the answer I wish I knew. I wish I knew. 
I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. This interview was conducted back in 2005. Now Tom Brady has five Super Bowl wins. He's married a supermodel, has more fame. And although I don't root for him, I, I did I do have to acknowledge and I have to give the Patriots fans out there, the two of you, okay. <laughs> I have to acknowledge that he'll go down as one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks of all time. And yet my hope is that in the last 14 years, he's been able to discover the answer to this very important question. What else is there in life than athletic success and fame and fortune? Solomon, who I believe wrote Ecclesiastes, wrote that this answer is found in humbly worshiping God and discovering his purposes for our life. Another book of the Bible, which also emphasizes the importance of wisdom, it's kind of the, the, the New Testament parallel to Proverbs and Ecclesiastes as the book of James. And in James, we see also some words recorded about the subject of time. In James 4, verse 13, we read these words. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That's a sobering passage, isn't it? Here James writes the importance of, of recognizing the brevity of our lives and the preciousness of each day. I believe in so many ways these two Bible passages that I've never put up against each other before in my study and my, my teaching, but I, I see a tension between the spirit of embracing each moment of each day and, and celebrating and living out that moment and recognizing that it's a priceless gift, and yet also having the humility to, to recognize that life is short, simply a mist or vapor that quickly passes. So therefore, we need to make sure that we're using our time well, and that we're investing our time in that which really matters. Have you ever thought about how much of our time we can carelessly waste? Whether it's watching a silly sitcom, scrolling and reading social media posts, playing some meaningless video game, or commenting or getting all worked out, worked up about a game that 
that we won't even remember who won two years from now. By the way, if I ask you who won last year's Super Bowl, you might remember, okay? It was the Eagles because they beat the Patriots, yeah. But, uh, but who won two years ago? Oh, man. I'm not going to keep going, okay? Because I'm just afraid the answer is going to keep being the Patriots. But, but the truth of it is, you know, and as a sports fan, I, I have to admit sometimes I get too, too fired up and too focused and, and too upset if there's a bad call, like at the end of the, uh, the Saints game. But the, the truth of it is, at the end of the day, sometimes all this can be a waste of valuable time that maybe that we need to be considering how we better use it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch a ball game. It's not wrong to play a video game. It's, it's not wrong to watch a sitcom. That's not my point. But the point is, do we just allow our time to be eaten up with all this other stuff and we're not really really using it as a gift from God to, to live out our life with meaning and purpose. This year, I have one of those milestone birthdays later this year. Yes, I'll turn 40 this year. <laughs> Some of you laughed a little too hard there. But as I realized that more than a half of my life, and probably could use a different fraction, is already in the books, the question that I'm asking myself and the question that I want you to ask yourself today is how are you investing your life and your time? How are you managing the time that God has given you? How generous are you in giving your time to others? Yes, the clock is ticking. The question is, how are we utilizing it? Jesus had quite a bit to say about the management of our time and the focus of our life. On one occasion, after telling a parable about managing our resources and time well, he said this in Luke chapter 12. The Lord answered in verse 42, who then is the faithful and wise manager? And then skipping on down to verse 48, from everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Here we see another principle that is important for us to remember that, that Jesus taught that those who've been given much, much will be expected. The truth is we've all been given much. We've all been given talents. We've all been given treasures. We've all been given time to utilize. And yet the question is, what are you doing with your time? How are you using them? How are you utilizing it for good? Now it would be easy for us to look around and say, well, there are people that have talents or abilities that I don't have. That's true. God's made us all different. That doesn't mean more, that some are more important than others. It just means we're different. In fact, when we utilize the gifts and talents that we have and come together, we can have a collective impact that's 
huge. It's important that we don't fall into gift envy and think, well, that person's got gifts I wish I had. A better question is, what gifts has God given you that you can use? But yes, there might be people that are more talented than you. And yes, there are people out there that have more financial treasure or wealth than you do or that I do. But the truth is, we all have 24 hours a day. We've all been given an equal amount of time each day. Now, we don't necessarily all have the same number of years, but we all have the same amount of time each day. And the question is, how are we using it? How are we leveraging that time to help others to be generous and to be a blessing to others? You know, it's encouraging to me to see the many ways that so many are giving of themselves here at Southwest and giving of their time to make a difference in the church here and in the lives of others. Yes, they're utilizing their talents. And I know, and I'm grateful for those that are investing their their treasure to make a difference, but I'm so grateful for those who are investing their time to make a difference. Let me just give a few examples. First of all, I'm encouraged by our small group leaders, and that number is growing as we've seen some small groups in the past 12 months branch into become two groups so that we can make more room for more people to participate and experience a small group. Recently, we've been encouraged to see individuals like Holly Snyder, Kyle Brockmeyer, and Tina, uh, Anita Tatarzyski. Okay, I was so concerned about your last name, and then I mispronounced your first name. But they've recently stepped up, and they're willing to invest their time to lead a small group and to give generously to others of their time. Yes, it takes time to prepare. It takes time to be there. It takes time to follow up with prayer requests and meet those needs. I'm also encouraged by Chris Wellguess, who's back at the media table today, who's recently stepped up to lead a small group. But Chris has also been investing his time to run the soundboard here at Southwest on many Sundays and to be here at band rehearsals on Thursday evening. You know, Chris used to work as a disc jockey and he's got abilities to mix and and make sound come together. and, And I'm grateful that he's using that talent, but also investing his time to make a difference in our creative arts ministry. Recently, I've seen a number of high school students beginning to catch on this idea of of using their time to serve others. Ashley Massey and Abby Hepp, two high school students in Springboro, they're trying to figure out how they're wired and gifted, and they've been coming early on Sunday mornings to serve as greeters, giving of their time. I'm grateful for people here at Southwest that are generously giving of their time to others. Are you? As we consider how much we've been given in terms of talent, treasure, and time, the question that still begs to be asked, what prevents us from being generous? In the very context we just finished reading, Jesus, by the way, have you ever noticed Jesus was never in a hurry? That impresses me so much. 
Even though he was busy, he always had the time to be generous to someone who came up to him. In fact, so many of his miracles and his great teaching came from interruptions. I have to admit that's an area that I want to grow to be more like Jesus. Because I can begin to view interruptions as, a, as something bad instead of an opportunity to be generous with my time. I believe he gives the answer to what prevents us from being generous. In Luke 12, verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Here Jesus points out that worry is so many times an enemy of what prevents us from living life the way that God wants us to live it. It just wastes our time. It eats it away. You see, when you and I face the opportunity to be generous, what holds us back? Often at times it's worry. If I give of my talents, if I give of my treasure, if I give of my valuable time, then maybe there won't be enough left for me. In the same context, Jesus said in verse 29, don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. I'm convinced what prevents us from being generous with our time, talents, and treasure is we don't trust that God will provide for us. We don't think that... that that these time, these, the talents, the time, and, and the treasure that we invest in others, that there'll be anything left for ourselves. And yet Jesus says, seek first above all else the kingdom of God, and he will give you everything you need. Now, he doesn't necessarily promise he, he'll give us everything we want, but he'll give us everything we need. And I've seen this in my life. When we invest of our times, talents, and treasure, we find a completeness, a fullness of life that's amazing because God begins to pour out, open up the floodgates and pour into our lives the very purpose that we were created for. But the question is, do we trust him and are we willing to take that risk? Do you trust God enough to be generous with that which he's given to you so that you can give to others? Do we trust our daily lives and our eternities into the hands of the one who was willing to send his son to give his best to us so that we could have eternity with him? Every week here at Southwest, we take some time to observe communion. It's a time for us just to soak up and to be grateful for God's generosity seen in the gift of Jesus Christ. Let's allow our hearts to truly be filled up with the generosity of God during this time. And let's examine our hearts and ask ourselves, how generous are we to others? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you 
Thank you for your generosity of giving your very best, your son. Jesus, thank you for giving of your very life for us. Help us just be grateful. Help us be reminded of what a generous God you are. And help us do the examination of our own life during this time of communion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.